Good afternoon. Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. This afternoon's episode shall be titled, The Lord is King Forever and Ever. It shall be focused on a study of Psalms chapter 10. Before we go any further, we'll begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy mighty love. And as we read your word, where it tells us, Lord, that thou hast heard the desire of the humble, and thou wilt prepare their heart and will cause thine ear to hear. Lord, we thank thee that thou art king forever and ever, and that the heathen shall perish out of the land. As we are taught in Malachi 4, that the righteous shall walk on the ashes of the wicked in the millennium. So we thank thee, Lord, for that great promise. Help us, Father, to be to inherit it and to work while it's due day, that we might be overcomers. Give us love for one another. For, Lord, you said, new commandment you give unto us that we love one another as you have loved us. You loved us even when we were unlovable, so help us to love each other in much the same way. In the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Psalms chapter 10. Psalm 10 Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? Why hidest thou thyself in times of trouble? The wicked in his pride doth persecute the poor. Let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined. For the wicked boasteth of his heart's desire, and blesseth the covetous, whom the Lord abhorreth. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. His ways are always grievous. Thy judgments are far above out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he puffeth at them. He hath said in his heart, I shall not be moved for I shall never be in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and fraud. Under his tongue is mischief and vanity. He sitteth in the lurking places of the villages. In the secret places doth he murder the innocent. His eyes are privily set against the poor. He lieth in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lieth in wait to catch the poor. He doth catch the poor when he draweth him into his net. He croucheth and humbleth himself, that the poor may fall by his strong ones. He hath said in his heart, God hath forgotten. He hideth his face, he will never see it. Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up thine hand, forget not the humble. Wherefore doth the wicked contemn God? He hath said in his heart, Thou wilt not require it. Thou hast seen it. For thou beholdest mischief and spite, to requite it with thy hand. The poor committeth himself unto thee. Thou art the helper of the fatherless. Break thou the arm of the wicked and the evil man. Seek out his wickedness till thou find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The heathen are perished out of his land. Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Thou wilt prepare their heart. Thou wilt cause thine ear to hear. To judge the fatherless and the oppressed, that the man of the earth may no more oppress. Up next... We shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled Questions and Answers. This was preached in 1962 on May the 27th. We'll begin at paragraph 97 up to paragraph 236. I trust you find it to be a blessing. This other question is really not a question. It just says, 
I lived many years in sin until I found the Lord. Please, Brother Branham, I have sinned again, and I am not worthy to come before you in this holy place. Please tell me if I can be uh, restored holy again. Please help me, Brother Branham. I have a devil in me. Help me. Will you lay your hands upon me and restore me again? <clears throat> now, there is a question. I never noticed it when I read it a while ago. There is a question. Now, if that person is present, let me just read it to you. I have lived, I have lived many years in sin until I found the Lord. Please, Brother Branham, see, I have sinned again, and am not worthy to come before you in this holy place. Please tell me if I can be restored whole again. Yes. You have not sinned, my friend, uh, so far in God, but what you could be restored. If you had sinned so far that you could not be restored, you'd never want to be restored. See? Yeah, See? But as long as there is something dealing with your heart, you're still in line of restoration. Amen. Guilty the least is guilty the whole. I have sinned many times. Every day, every one of us do things that we don't want to do. It's in our heart. You don't want to be that way or you wouldn't ask this question. See? That's itself a proof that God still is dealing with you. You've probably gotten nervous. Probably Satan tell you that you can't be restored. He's alive. Certainly yet. Because, look, if there is a deep calling, there's got to be a deep to respond to the call. If there's a hunger for something, that something's got to be somewhere or you would have no hunger for it. See, as I've said lots of times, before a fish had a fin on his back, there had to be a water first from the swimming or he wouldn't have any fin. Before there's a tree to grow on the earth, there had to be an earth first before there was a tree. Because the earth had to be first for the tree to grow. Now, before there can be a creation, there has to be a creator to create the creation. See what I mean? Now, as long as you are wanting and hungering to get back to God, there's a God somewhere calling to you. See? Or you wouldn't be hungering as a creator. Now, if you there is a place that you can cross where you can't get back. But when that is, you're down there again in the same shape you up. It goes to show that you only fell from grace. Backsliding is not lost. I want somebody to tell me where backsliding is lost and prove it to the Bible. Backslider is not lost. He's just out of fellowship. Israel backslid. But they never lost their covenant. They lost their, their praises and joy. David lost the joy of his salvation. When he took Bathsheba, Uriah's wife. But he never lost his salvation. He never said, restore to me my salvation. He said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Oh, there's so much of this legalism today that touch not, taste not. You don't do things legally. I didn't come to this church tonight legally. I feel tired. I, 
I've, I've been nervous. I'm upset. I'm wondering about something. It's out before me. My heart's burning. Even in such a much that my heart's a fluttering. I got a cramped pain right at this minute, just shooting back and forth, up and down through here. Weak, nervous, trembling. Catch a hold of your squeeze. Got my toes squeezed up in my shoes. I felt anything but come down here. Why did I come then? Because I love God. Live or die, I must stand here for Him. It's not because I have to. He wouldn't care about whether I did or not. I, if I die, I go to heaven anyhow. But I'm coming because I love Him. You serve God because you love Him. Not because you just got to do it. Because you love Him enough. I'm not true to my wife because I'm afraid she'll divorce me. I'm true to her because I love her. There's no other woman in the world. Her. That's the reason I'm true to her. Not because if I'd done a mistake and thought I did something wrong, come to her say, Meaty, honey, I didn't mean to do that. She'd forgive me for it. I know she would. I'd forgive her. I love her. But I, I'd forgive her. She'd forgive me. But I wouldn't do it for nothing. I love her too much to do it. It is because I didn't think she'd forgive me. It's the idea that I love her too much to do it in the first place. And as long as I love her like that, I'll never do it. And if she loves me the way she's supposed to, she won't either. And you love the Lord with all your heart. You don't have to worry about these things. If you make a mistake, you don't sin willfully. You've just done something wrong. See, you slip back through. You're up here in fellowship. You drop back down in this must down here again. But what is it? There's just like a, an eagle. One time I saw up here at Cincinnati Zoo. I took Sarah and was going down there. If anything I see to hurt me is to see something pinned up. I just can't stand to see anything in a cage, even little birds. And I know you women have them little birds, you turn them out. When I was a little boy, I used to say, if ever I get a chance, when I get to be a man, I'll slip in every house and turn them poor little guys loose. Yes, sir. I said, sitting up there in a the hot sun. And I'm saying, <laughs> and the woman out somewhere on the back porch smoking a cigarette. And that poor little bird sat there burning up. He can't do nothing about it. He just has to sit there. And he wasn't born for that. I thought, boy, if I could slip up there and let him out, he wouldn't be there very long. See? I hate to see anything pinned up. I hate to see a man calls himself Christian and pinned down by some kind of a church creed. I can't say amen. I, I can't believe in that. The pastor says don't believe it. Oh, my goodness. You're born free. And then how about a big eagle? He's a heavenly bird. He lives way and above the clouds. That's where he goes of a morning. Way so high nothing else can follow him. Not another bird. He'd disintegrate in the air if he tried to follow him. He's a special made bird. And then somebody had caught him in a man-made trap. He caught this big eagle and put him in this cage. And a poor old fella, I looked at him and my heart just burned. He looked at that side like that and he didn't know how to get out of that cage. He would just get across there and he, he knowed how he'd take off. And he'd start flopping his wings and here he'd go in, bang his head up against the bars and beat the feathers out of his arm, wing feathers here, and all across his head till it was bleeding. He hit that bar so hard and knocked him plump back on his back. He lay there and roll them worry-looking eyes, look up towards that sky. There's where I belong. There's my home. There's where I was born for. But looky, between me and there is a cage. Well, the only thing I know, I'm putting my mind to it. Here I come and bang it, go right back again. I thought, oh my, isn't that terrible? I wish you'd sell him to me. I'd pawn my Ford to buy him. See? Just to turn him loose. See? Oh, it made me feel so bad. That poor big bird there beat the feathers. I thought that's the most horrible sight I ever seen. No, I take it back. The most horrible sight I ever seen is a man born to be a son of God and then pinned up in some creed. 
that he looks up there and sees a God that he really wants to serve, but he just can't do it. <laughs> they won't let him do it. See, pinned up. That's a horrible thing. Uh, yes. Yes, sister, brother, ever who wrote this. If you have fallen down here, that don't mean you're lost. You're just an eagle got into a pen. That's all. You're caged up down here sin again. You don't want to be there. That's the reason you're looking upward. Amen. There you are. Old Brother Branham. I once lived up there. Is there a way here? Yes. Reminds me of one day. Oh, a little boy. I was walking around behind the farm. And uh, there was somebody had tied an old crow to keep him out of the corn. And that poor old fella just about starved to death. I couldn't be that mean to do that. He tied the old crow by the foot. And the old fellow to eat everything was around. He couldn't get nothing else. The farmer just left him. And he was so poor that he, he couldn't even get up. Just he, And the crows, the flowers, say, call, call, call. In other words, say, come on, Johnny Crow. Wintertime's coming. Let's go south. But he couldn't do it. He was tired. So one day, a certain fellow come by and seen that poor old crow. So he just went over and caught him and untied him. He said, go on, boy, you're free. See? And so then... The first thing you know, he kept walking around. Here come the crows over hollering. Come on, Johnny Crow. Call, call, call. Let's go south. The winter's coming. You go to freeze to death. If he could look back and say, can't do it. <laughs> See, he'd been so used to being tied. See? He just thought he was still tied. You may think you're tied too, brother. Sister wrote this question. You may think the devil's got you tied down there. He's lying. There was one time a man come to earth. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He untied you. Don't you believe it? You don't have to stay down there. No, sir, you are free. That's right. Amen. He died in your place to take away your sins. You just believe on him. Flop your wings and fly away with the rest of them. Don't stay in that pit of the devil. No, sir. Now, will you lay hands upon me and free from me? Sister, dear, or brother, dear, sure, I'd lay hands on you, but that wouldn't free you. What would free you you're, is to understand that you're already free. You're already untied. You don't have to worry about being free. You're already free. Jesus made you free. Amen. Be not again entangled in the yoke of bondage. You're free as you can be. You don't have to be tangled up. Laying my hands on you is just a tradition. We might do that. that well, I could do that, but that still wouldn't set you free until you accept what He done for you. That's just me saying, Lord, I believe it. Well, you just lay your hands by faith up on Him and say, Lord, I believe it. Up you come. That's right. Confess your sins. See, he that hides his sins will not prosper, covers his sins, but he that will confess his sins, there's where you get freedom and justification. When you're willing to say, I'm sinned, I'm wrong, that's what you said here, I have fallen, I'm sinned, I'm dead wrong. Is there a chance for me to be whole again? Absolutely. The minute that you desire, that shows that God dropped the lifeline down to pick you up. Just rise up on his lifeline of faith and prayer. Move right on up into the rest of the eagles like that. Go flopping away. That's right. Yes. Laying on of hands. That's, that's a great thing. I believe in that. I believe in laying on of hands. I sure do. But that isn't what does it. I can lay hands upon the people week in and week out. And still it would do no good until you accept what Christ did for you. That's only my sanction. Laying hands. They laid hands on the elders. They did those things. It was their sanction before God that they give their faith to it. They give their belief to it. See, sometimes it's like things... It, I am so misunderstood so many times. Uh, I have... Last night, I'm halting between opinions. 
and I, I don't know just which way to turn. I, I'm myself. I'm between opinion. I, I don't know what to do. I hope this is just the church natural or the church spiritual setting here, rather. I don't guess they're recording this, so I'll just say what I want to. They, um, I wanted a little heart-to-heart talk with you. I believe I'll just take it anyhow. I had a note wrote here with a scripture, whether if I didn't, I was going to speak on the end-time evangelism, what the end-time evangelism is. Maybe I'll save that for another day. I'd like to talk to you from my heart, just from the bottom of my heart. I'm between opinions. I don't know just which way to turn. I want your prayer. This little coaxing in here on these on these things is just getting the opportunity to talk to you a few minutes. Something else I want to tell you. I realize that we're real close to something. Now, don't misunderstand me. Don't do it. See? A man come to me the other day. It made me feel real bad. I thought, surely I haven't been that loose in teaching. He said, Brother Branham, uh, in about so many days I'm supposed to be operated on, next 15, 20 days, said, um, you think Jesus would be here? I won't even have to have that operation. See, you misunderstand it. Don't do that. Don't do that. Jesus may not come for another 5,000 years. I don't know. He may be here yet tonight. He may come tomorrow. I don't know when he's coming. Nobody else knows. Frankly, he don't even know himself. That's what he said. Nobody knows. But did you know Paul looked for him to come every day? Yeah. John on the Isle of Patmos thought he'd yeah, live to see it. Sure is. thought sure is in his days. All the rest of them, Polycarp, St. Martin, all down through the age, Luther thought surely that's it. Wesley said, this is the time. Charles, Finney, John Knox, Calvin, Spurgeon, every one of them said, this is the time. Billy Sunday on down to this day here. Everyone, this is the time. We're looking for it. We don't know when the time is. I'm believing it's this time. I want to hold the torchlight up. And listen, I catch this right. I want to live each moment of my life that I'm looking for in the next moment. But I want to carry on like it would be 10,000 years from now. I still want to sow seeds, reap the harvest. I want to preach the gospel, carry on just as I always did. On like that, with my eyes up watching, pulling the cradle of the, getting the sheaves, the grain. And then next year I'll sow my crop again. Lord, I thought you'd be here last year, but if you're not, you may come this year. So I'll put my crop in to raise my children. If you tarry, they'll have something to eat. If you don't, I'll be looking for you. <laughs> there you are. See? Just carry on just normally. If I thought he was coming in the morning, tonight I'd preach the same message I'm preaching now. If I thought he's coming in the morning, I wouldn't go out and sell my car. I wouldn't go do this, that, or the other. I'd just go right on as the ordinary went. Because every moment I'm watching for him to come. Because he might come just for you. It might be your hour. might be tonight. Maybe it's my hour tonight. I don't know. But one of them is going to be our hour. And what difference does it make if I'm living here or I'm buried out yonder? 
For if I am already paid the penalty of death, I'll be there before any man that's a living. Amen. Right? I say this, Second Thessalonians 5th chapter, I say this to you in the commandments of the Lord. We which are alive and remain to the coming of the Lord shall not hinder or prevent those that are asleep. For the trumpet of God shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Amen. The privilege of those that are dead will come forth first. That's Amen. how we know that it's at the hand. Amen. See, then we which are alive and remain shall be changed in a moment twinkling an eye and shall be caught up together with them Amen. to meet the Lord in air. So what difference does it make if I died in the time of Noah, if I died in the time of Abraham, if I died in the time of apostles, but died two weeks ago or right now. What difference would it make? I'll be there in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. I'm only resting until that time. Now, the gathering will be unto the Lord. At Jacob in 49th chapter, he said, when Shiloh comes, and the gathering will be unto him, there will not be a lawgiver. Go. Until, from between the feet until Shiloh comes, speaking of Judah, and to him shall the gathering be. Yeah, now, so many people are looking for a church, a great group of people to be caught up together. A church, a denomination, some creed, something to be caught up. That's not it. That's not it at all. The gathering of the people when God calls his flock together, he may take two out of Jeffersonville, two out of Indiana, two out of Kentucky. Two out of Mississippi. That's exactly what he said. Not them words, but he said, there'll be two in a field. That's where the daylight's at. I'll take one and leave one. There'll be two in a bed. The other side of the earth is nighttime. I'll take one and leave one. See? The gathering of the people will be not clannish for a group here. It'll be a universal resurrection gathering together. And the rapture will come the same way because he said, when one fell asleep in this watch, one in that watch, one in, on down to the seventh watch, and then when the bridegroom come, all of them awake. Amen. Everyone. All the way from the time of Genesis until the end of Revelation. Every one of them awakened. That's right. To get ready to go in. Now I see he shows that all the dead will rise forth from the grave at His coming. The righteous, the bride, sleeping ones that's in the grave will rise at the resurrection. Then He shows that the people that are living on earth, it'll be one here and one there. It will not be a bunch of people gathered together in a little group. For there will be one in the field or two in the field. I'll take one and leave one. There comes one of the church out of daylight. On the other side of the earth, there will be two in bed. I'll take one and leave one. Is that right? So the gathering will be unto Christ, whether I am in Jeffersonville, whether I am in Sweden, whether I am and wherever it is, the gathering will be unto the shepherd. See? And then together, we'll be caught up with the resurrection to meet the Lord in the air. People will be coming from all parts of the earth that's living, people that's dead, 
and so forth will rise and together the church will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. See? His coming will be universal. It will not be just coming to Louisville. It will not be just coming to the Baptist, to the Presbyterian. It'll be the pure in heart shall see God. And the resurrection and the gathering shall be from everywhere. And now, when is it coming? Maybe tonight. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe this year. Maybe 50 years. Maybe 100 years. Maybe another 1,000 years. I don't know. Nobody else knows. But let's us, you and I, live tonight like it was going to be yet tonight. Amen. But now, in doing, like you said, I have an operation. Well, if you have to have an operation, you haven't faith for deliverance, go ahead and have your operation. If I was going to buy... Um, uh, someone come and wrote me a note the other day and said, uh, a great letter, and said, Brother Branham, I don't know what to do. He said, me and my wife has been so uh, faithful to God as we could be. We've raised our children. And said, now, what I'm wondering, said, we have, we have saved up a farm, bought a farm. I said, how we love it. There's a spring there. There's a, a creek runs through the places out in Oregon. And said, we hear that you're coming to Oregon. I tell you what we've decided to do. We know that we thought we would save it up for the children because none of them are Christians. Said so we thought we'd save it up for them as they have to stay here to go through the tribulation and uh, save it for them and let them have something for we believe that we'll be in the rapture. Therefore, we don't know what to do about that. So perhaps when you come, we'll just turn the farm over to you. See? And then you can do with it whatever you want to. I wrote back. I said, how thoughtful it is of you to think of your children. said, me and mother goes out there and of the evening said, I'm ready to retire. And said, the pleasurous hours we have crossing over the farm, looking at the spring and standing out there praising God. I said, continue to do that. Live just like that way, physically, materially. Just keep on keeping on until he arrives. See? Just keep on staying here, keeping on, till he arrives. Plan, go ahead, make that if the Lord willing. If the Lord willing. I'll do this if the Lord willing. He may come before that time. But just keep on going on just like you are until, but keep your soul trimmed that he might come at any minute. Amen. Be ready. For you see, he might come for you any minute, any second, the next heart breathe. Next breath, he may come for you. But just continue on doing whatever you want to. As long as it's true and decent and upright, go ahead and do it. Now, we know that we're facing something. I know it. You know it. I, I, I don't know which way to turn. You remember about four years ago in Chicago... One day the Spirit of the Lord came up on me and I said, This is it. And the revival is over. And uh, America has turned down her opportunity. It's on tape. And there won't be no more. Her last opportunity she's turned down. I want you to watch. Does anybody know what day that was on the tape? We've got it. Leo and Jean's got it. I heard it here not long ago. Bose put it in his paper. And so just watch what's happened since then. See? Oh, the revival is stopped. Amen. 
I said that over at Blue Lake the other night, and a little fellow got back up next morning and said, Brother Brandon might say the Pentecostals has had it, but not me. Glory to God, hallelujah, and the horn. See, but the little fellow just didn't know which end of the horn he was blowing from. See, he doesn't understand. See, he doesn't know it's all right. Enthused, that's perfectly all right. But look around. What are they doing? What's the matter with the people? What's happened to the revival? What's happened to Billy Graham, Old Roberts, the rest of them? Where is the revival going on? It's finished. The smoke is done, settled up. The seeds are sown. The meeting is over. The fires are burnt down. In the old temple of Rome and Vesta, when the fires went out, the merchants went home <laughs> at the altars. Yeah. Now, we see the revival is not on. It isn't the enthusiasm. Then I think about the river, 1936. I think what he said. What happened there? Many of you know, I was just a boy. And a baptizing, my first baptism, when that angel of the Lord came down and stood over where it was at. Some people said you didn't see it. Then science proved that it was so. Now, what did he say there? As it was, as John the Baptist was sent forth to forerun the first coming of Christ, your message will forerun the second coming. I've watched that across the earth, around the world. Yeah. It went just almost overnight. Revivals broke out everywhere. Yeah. Revival fires was burning everywhere. It's been the greatest revival we've ever known of. Yeah. What, was there anything before that? Not a thing. Yeah. When uh, two weeks before that, I heard a man make a speech in New Albany. He said, people used to believe that ballyhoo of, of revival, like Billy Sunday then. Said, we know that there cannot be no more of that. People want concrete evidence. There's no such a thing. When there's making that big valley, we at the same time, God blast forth the greatest revival we had since the early yeah. centuries. More people has been saved. Millions. Amen. Statistics shows that a man's message lasts three years. Any of them. Then he lives upon his reputation the rest of the time until God calls him. Now, that's been since Christ. His was three and a half. See? It shows that all down, Spurgeon, Knox, Calvin, all the way down, it shows three to three and a half years is the limit for a man's ministry. The rest of it, his candle's burnt. He lives on his past reputation. If he's been evil, his works follow him. If he's been right, his works follow him. That's all. Now, what did that mean? I've been preaching to this church here and telling you that I believe there was a great one coming. I believe, and I've told you, that I believe that the Scriptures support that there will be a messenger of the last church age. I believe that. I've looked for that person to appear. I've watched constantly. I see a man rise up. I hear of him. A great man starts sweeping. I notice his message. It's far off the Bible. I see him fly back over the corner. I watch another one raise up. Fly up under, but he doesn't get amongst the eagles. He stays amongst the denominational crows. Stays down here in his organization, another bringing more membership. Yeah. I watch it. I see it die down. I think God worries that one is going to restore the faith of the fathers to the children. Where is them seeds going to be planted? Where's it at? 
Watch to take place. Now, it comes to this. If, if that message down on the river that day, if that was it, the coming of the Lord is at hand. Yeah. It's about here. Yeah. If it isn't, there's a law before the storm. Yeah. I don't know. He hasn't revealed it to me. I'm trying to wonder, was that his official message? Was that what all he wanted me to say? Was that when he commissioned? Is that all of it? If it is, we are real, real near. It's later than you think. If it wasn't, there's a lull before a storm. Now, someone wrote me here not long ago and asked me, said, if you do not believe that the church goes through the tribulation period, how about Revelation 13, how they overcome by the blood of the Lamb and their testimony? The person asked that question. I wonder, do you realize that the first three chapters of Revelations deals with the church and the church age? That's the tribulation period. Not the church age. The church raptures and goes up at the fourth chapter of Revelations. Never comes again to the 19th chapter when it comes with Jesus. That's right. That's in the tribulation period. Not Nothing to do with the church at all. All these great promises of great things that you've seen in the Bible, like what's going to take place, that's over into the Jewish kingdom. Not here amongst the Gentiles. I believe that they'd have a rally, but this one that's supposed to come to restore the faith of the people, which is promised. And the only way I can get that, because he said immediately after this message that the earth will be burnt with heat, fire. Let me just read that to you while we're right here. And watch what it says. And now, this little message of the kingdom. Maybe I might preach that next Sunday morning, if the Lord wants me. And uh, if the Lord willing. Now watch here. Here's the coming of John. Malachi 3. Behold, I send my messenger before my... uh, Send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to... His temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom you delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. You see that? Malachi 3. Matthew now. Watch Matthew, the 11th chapter. And listen to this. And the 6th verse. Let's read now Matthew 11, Jesus speaking. And now let's begin at the 11th chapter. And it came to pass, when Jesus made an end of his commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. And now when John had heard in prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? See that gloominess of that prophet? He knowed something was going to take place, but he wasn't sure where it was at. See? See, just what was taking place. Art thou he, after denouncing him? And Jesus said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. And blessed is he who is not offended in me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitude concerning John. Now listen. What went ye out into the wilderness to see? 
a reed shaken with the wind. No, that wasn't John. No compromising with John. What went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment. In other words, collar turned around, you know, scholarly and great man. Behold, they that wear soft clothes are in king's houses. The one that kisses the baby and marries the kids and buries the dead and, you know, hang around the kings. That's that kind. You don't wield a two-handed sword. See? Now, what went you out in the wilderness to see? A man in his clothes are shaken with wind. A man clothed in soft raiment. Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's palace. But what went you out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. Watch. For this, listen now, this is Jesus' own words. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before my faith and he, face, and he shall prepare the way before thee. Yeah. Watch, Malachi 3. Behold, I send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. Malachi 3, not Malachi 4. Now watch Malachi 4. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven. And all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubbles. The day cometh that shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts. It shall not leave them, neither root nor branch. That's the, the tribulation and destruction. That's coming. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness rise with healing in his wings, the coming of the Lord. And ye shall go forth as... Uh, you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. That's like going out upon the pasture. Walk out. Ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in that day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. And otherwise, the righteous in returning with Christ to the earth shall tread upon the ashes. When you see these people haughty, Arrogant, despisable, snoopy, and yet claiming to be Christians. There are nothing but ashes. Amen. That's all. That's what the Scripture says. Amen. Now watch. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send unto you Elijah the prophet, before the coming of that great and dreadful day of the Lord. Just before that day, the return of the Lord, Elijah will come first. All right. Remember, yet future. Now, it could not have been the coming of John. He was the Elijah. But he comes five times now. J-E-S-U-S-F-A-I-T-G-R-A-C-E-C. -E five is the number of grace. Elijah makes five appearings. One time is Elijah. As Elisha. As John. At the end of the Gentiles. And over with Moses to the Jews. Perfect number. The perfect prophet. Perfect messenger. Stern, bold. See? Notice. I will send to you Elijah before the coming of the day, great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children 
Do the fathers lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. See? Not the first coming of the introduction that was John. Because the earth never burnt as a stubble. The righteous never walked out upon the ashes of the wicked. But just before this takes place will Elisha come. And what will he do? Restore the faith of the children back to the Father. The original faith of the Bible. When I see a man come, I think, that must be him. There's a man rising in fame. Look at him. The churches is going, what's he doing? A thousand miles off the Bible. What does he do? Wander around. Air gives out and down he goes. See? Having a form of godliness and denying the power thereof. Denying the faith. Don't believe in the Bible. Saying, holding on to creeds, denominations, getting denominational children. He's got to fall. There he goes right back. Where is that one that's going to sow that seed for that end time church? Where is that ripening seed that promised Elijah? And immediately after his days shall the great tribulation set in and burn the earth. And then at the return of the church and the bride, the bride in Christ shall walk out upon their ashes. Amen. In the millennium, when the earth is purified by fire, and there they shall reign. And the heathens that's never heard the gospel shall be raised in that time, and the sons of God will be manifested. If he's to reign, he's got to have something to reign over. He's got a domain. And they ruled and reigned with Christ, and Christ ruled with a rod of iron the nations. Then the gospel, then the manifested sons of God, with authority just like he had when he was here. See? There will come the millennium in that reign. See? Upon the ashes. So I've watched for something. Has it slipped by us in humility? And we've missed it. Is it gone and the church is left in her sins? If that be so, then it's later than you think. If not, then there's coming one with a message that's straight on the Bible. In quick work, or circle the earth. The seeds will go in newspapers, reading material, until every predestinated seed of God is heard. None of them will come unless the Father's draw them and everyone the Father has drawn will hear it and come. That'll be the predestinated seed. will hear the word. Then when that takes place, it'll be a gather together and Jesus shall appear and there will go the church from all over the earth like that with the resurrection going up. Will it be like John came and even the elected disciples didn't even know it? They said, why saith the scribes that Elias must first come? He said, he's already coming. You didn't oh, know. Amen. That's right. They said they did what they said they would do to him. His message was so quick. Look, to all of Israel, and it only happened in one little, two, two little spots. Just below Jerusalem and there, or down at Enon, where John went up to baptize. And right down at the river where he was baptized, and the river dried up. Just six months. And the whole introduction of the Messiah come right in. Amen. Have we overlooked something? Oh my God! Is it later than we think? This is a heart-to-heart talk now. This is just tonight. Just a, uh, it's just just us talking here. 
Is it later than you think? Was that actually that message there at the river that day? Has it slipped by and the people has missed it? Yes. Is that it? Then it really is later than we think. When will it be? I don't know. Might be tonight. Might be another 50 years. I don't know when it'll be. I'll just keep on going on as I am now. Oh, what is it? Am I looking for something? I had a strange dream last night. It's bothered me all day. Usually I don't dream very much. But I had a dream. I'd go everywhere, and it used to be I'd blast that message, and I'd see one here and one there catch it. I'd go right back again and blast the message, and they'd turn up their nose and walk away. What's the matter? Have they sinned away their day of grace? Has the last one come in? Is it over? Are we just waiting for destruction? Is all these little wars rising up like that, just getting ready? Something's fixing to happen. Before it happens, the church is gone. How I disagree that the church will be in the tribulation. How can you make a type take away from an antitype? See? Noah was in the ark before one drop of water ever fell. Lot was out of Sodom before the fire ever fell. See? Jesus said, as it was in them days, so will it be in the coming of the Son of Man. The church don't have to stand judgment. It's already in Christ. What we need is a perfection of saints. Yes. Saints don't understand. See, they're getting. They just don't know what to think. See? Now, we're if that's right. If it isn't, there's coming something right quick. There'll be a blast. I'm watching. I don't know which way to turn. Last night I dreamed a dream. Then I'm closing. I dreamed a dream. Strangest thing. I was lying there talking to my wife about the own. Com- We'd just been praying, and I somebody a little old Dallas had called and it stuck a something in his ear and I went in bleeding and he had to run to the doctor and I went in to pray and the Holy Spirit said that's all right. here he comes alright doctor said well I thought she was going to said you done injured the eardrum bursted and blood's running out of it and what's all it's all the next time we went back he said nothing out no, no infection nothing so then someone had called I go in the room and pray about another day they call up and say all over find it and I was talking to the wife. I said, honey, for about a year and four months, I haven't hardly know which way to move. I said, I don't know what. She said, we was talking about a move. I said, I don't know what to do. I'm standing and I'm wondering, are we looking for, is that one great prophet of God's coming on the scene to blast the thing? Will it be publicly known? I thought, that's contrary to Scripture. If it comes an hour, you think not, see? And I don't know what to do. Have we overlooked it? I thought, I don't want to lay around the house here. I thought, I hope this is not being taped. If it is, tear up the tape or lay it aside. See? Now, you said, if, uh, I said, if this is it, we're closer than we think. There's one thing that's got, that's going to happen. Either something has to happen to me now. And I don't see why he just didn't let me go when I was down on that bench the other day. Then, see? If there isn't something else to do. Why? Why didn't I go? What happened? Is there something else to do? Oh, well, if it is, my message, the people are turning up their nose to it. Then something calls me to the foreign fields. I hear the call across the sea. Coming in from everywhere. 
letter just coming the other day. Brother Liger writing a, a book on the Durban meeting. He said, it's never been compared. Africa never had a shake like that. Over one night's time, this dark land of Africa had a shake that they never had before in their life. That's right. Down amongst the heathen. I looked down there and I seen those poor Negroes. Precious people. Seen the way them people was treating them. Like worse than slaves. Seen the little boy there. That, and I worked there and I said, that boy, you just, you women couldn't do as much in the two days. The three days. As hard as you could work. Because that boy had to do it in one day. And sleep on a pallet out in a little washroom about four foot long, four foot wide. Curled up there. And he got a pound a month. That's $2.80. And he didn't get to eat the scraps from the table, a bucket of mealy meal. Third of it, breakfast, third of it at dinner, the other third that night at supper. Work till 10 or 11, 12 o'clock, get up next morning, take care of the baby and everything else, and polish the steps and wipe off the boss's car. The big old fat mother do nothing but sit around there and make her fingernails and drink tea. Lazy, no good. That poor boy had to work like everything. He had a cough. And he looked like he just about cold, like a... <clears throat> One day I looked across there and I said... Don't you never have that boy? What you bring to me? He's a kaffir. Uh, that means a rogue. No wonder they blow up at that name. I would too. That man's my brother. And there he is. He's not a slave. His color has nothing to do with it. He's my brother. And there he was like that. I walked out. I called him Thomas. The boy could speak three languages. And I said, Thomas... Turned around, fell on his knees and put his hands up said, Yes, master. I said, Get up. I'm not your master. I'm your brother. I put my arm around him. He looked over at me like that and great big tears coming down his cheeks. I said, Thomas, and the Holy Spirit coming there was a vision. I told him something. And he said, Yes, master. That's true. That's just what it was. I said, Thomas, the cough has left you. You'll never have it no more. And he didn't. People slipping money in my pocket. I had about 180 of those pound notes. means $2.80. And I was afraid to give it to him, afraid the boss would find him with that and think he stole it and then they'd beat him to death. And I, I said to the boss, I said, oh, I love that boy. Let me give him some money. Oh, no, no, you'll spoil him. I said, you're pretty well spoiled. What are you laying around here? You do nothing. That boy does all the work. You lay him half starved to death. He's got a, a widowed mother and an afflicted sister. And then you let him have a do- $2.80 a month. I said, you'll reap someday for that. He's two million white, about a hundred million colored. You'll have an uprise. I said, don't you say that in America, what goes on here. I said, who's going to tell me to hold my peace? Only God. I said, no wonder the people's got a complex be treated like that. There you are. And I tuck up for them. One day, a couple ministers, collars turned around, a little mustache... They come up to Rhodesia. A little old green pilot flew me into a swarm tropical storms and went two miles. I was like high in the air, flipping around. We didn't know where it was upside down. The plane turning over and over and over. And finally, it, we didn't know where it was going down or up. And finally, it threw us above the storm. I was so sick at my stomach. We got off a couple of those ministers, Pentecostal ministers. Got in a car and was driving me on down to Victoria. I come down from southern Rhodesia. And I got down there, and I was sick anyhow. Brother Baxter sitting there sick, and Billy Paul sick. And here we was, driving right down through the compound. That's where the colored people that does something has to leave their tribe, some tribal sin. And they come in there, and they won't let them come in the city, so they just live under tent or anything they can. Very dirty and things, is true. And here they went down through there, and I seen a sign there that said 20 miles an hour. 
And that man's going 65 miles an hour. Then poor old mothers right out there grabbing them little babies, little tots naked out there in the street from about two years old up to five or six, grabbing them little fellows and screaming. They come for her, killing four of them at one time. I tapped him on the side. I said, hey, what's the matter with you? He tried to what did you say? I said, I said, what's the matter with you? Slow that thing down. He said, we got orders to get you there on time. I said, I'll give you orders to stop it. And he said, I said, don't you have no feeling for them people? What people? I said, them little babies out there, you're nearly roaring. said, that's Kaffirs. I said, shame on you. Call yourself a Christian. I said, don't you know that mother thought as much as her baby? If you'd have killed it, your mother would have thought of you? I said, she may be ignorant and unlearned, but a mother's love cries out for her baby. You ain't got no business for doing a thing like that. You call yourself, I said, another thing. That sign said 20 miles an hour. My Bible said, give Caesar what Caesar's. He ducked his head. I said, you slow it down to 20 miles an hour and treat them people like they were your brother. I said, shame on you. Anything like that. Oh, my. They blowed up like frogs eating buckshot, but it didn't make any difference. I got my word in my punch. Remember that people knew that I was for them to bring them the, the message of the gospel and God to come in there and mix them up, put the white over on one side and the color, and there the color couldn't even speak one word to them another. The Holy Ghost would go out among them and bring out the sick and afflicted and the cripples and heal them and let them set over here in their big inferior complex built up over there. Shows how God deals with a humbling heart. Now, that's a person who hasn't received the message yet. He's writing that book. Now, what must I do? Then what must I, I, am I to return there? Now, if God is calling me to evangelism, then I cannot be his seer and evangelist at the same time. You just, it, the offices won't mix. I'm, I'm, just, I'm fighting the wind. If I'm going to be an evangelist, I'll have to be an evangelist. If I'm going to be his seer, I'll refrain to the mountain somewhere. Amen. Stay away. No church, no congregation until I hear from the Lord and stomp out and give it and stomp back again. Amen. One of those things that's weighing in the balance or either it's over. This has to be one of those three things to me. Message is finished or either I got one of these two things to do. I don't know what to do. Last night I dreamed a dream. And I dreamed that I was going to a meeting and I'd never seen such a group of people. They were gathered like a big stadium, far as I could see. And somebody come after me that wasn't Billy. And he take me down. And I had been in the room praying. And I was coming to under the anointing, kind of like I could call it, make you understand, like a gear. Or I could feel that it was to be discernment. And on the road down, the fellow commenced to talking to me. And when he did, the discernment left. I couldn't feel it. And then I tried to pull myself back into it. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. And I got weary. And I began to look at the crowd as it drove up. And when it did, I said, well, I've got a text in my mind that I know that those organizations and the way they treat them people, that I'm going to preach that gospel just like that to them as hard as I can. And when I walked to the platform, that left me. No discernment. Not one of those messages. And I stood there, and yet the people were waiting. And I said, what shall I do? And something said, just go on. Just go on. See? It'll be furnished when I get there. Just keep moving on. Then I was right there at the platform and I woke up. It may be because I was thinking of that. 
I dream such a dream. It might be that. It might be the dream is spiritual. I do not know. I have no interpretation of it. I, I do not know what it means. I just can't tell you. And I, I don't know what it is. But whatever it is, I'm on a crossroad somewhere. See? It's something, something, somewhere. And I, I can say one thing, and I'm so misunderstood, or say this way, I, it's this way or that way, one gets way on this side. And the way it is, you say something right straight towards your point, and one hears it this way. So he tells another and leans it a little farther. Next and leans a little farther. Next a little farther. And then it's got plumb out of cater. One hears it this other way. He goes this way, that way, and that way. See? And you get away. And that's the way it is out in the meetings and so forth. When you're really driving right to a spot. Now the elected would hear that spot. They get that spot. They know Because I said just exactly what was meant. See? Like that. Just the message. Just exactly. Now... And that's what I say seemed like it more misunderstanding all the time continually. What is it? Is have I planted all the seeds that's supposed to be planted? Is the time at hand? Is this great messenger fixing to step on the scene right now? Is the coming of the Lord near? Is it calling away from this land to the other? Has he called me from evangelism? You remember I'm I've rehearsed it to the wife, many of you in a book. The day I laid that cornerstone there about 30 years ago, right there in a corner, it said in there that morning when he woke me up and is sitting in the room there, even before I was ever married or anything, just a boy preacher, he said, do the work of an evangelist. Not, he wasn't evangelist, but do the work of one. Quoted a scripture to me. I want to run down and see them two trees. Broke one off of here. Oneness and Trinity. I never crossed them. I planted them like that. Then he seen the fruit fall in my hand and then run me to Calvary. Now listen. He said, when you come out of this, read 2 Timothy 4. 2 Timothy 4. And it left me sitting in the room. I didn't even know it was a vision. I didn't know what to call it then. I was laying the cornerstone that day of the foundation there. It's rope laying right there in that cornerstone now. It said, do the work of an evangelist. Make foolproof your ministry. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall heap for themselves together teachers having itching ears and shall be turned from the truth unto fables. That's both oneness and trinity. They miss them. Now he never said you are evangelists. He said do the work of one. Now has the time come? Shall I continue on with that? Or has the time come for something else? That I know not. That's what I want to heart-to-heart talk with you. And I'm past my time right now of letting you go. Sorry to keep you that long. But if the Lord willing, just before Brother Bose comes Sunday, I may come down Sunday morning and might speak on this subject of the evening time evangelism hey, or something man. like that. See, if it, sorry. Um, Lord willing, next Sunday morning. And I was going to speak on that tonight, and I was going to have a heart-to-heart talk maybe some other time. But I feel like it would be better this way maybe. See, if that would be the will of the Lord. I pray for you. You pray for me. Just don't, don't say, Brother Bram, I will. You do it. See, I'm depending on that. I'm the one that needs prayer. If he can shove me somewhere. Remember, I'm a human being. I'm not God. I'm just a human being like you are, trying to find the will of God so I can walk in it. No one can know until in he that likes wisdom, let him ask of God. And that's what I'm doing, asking of God. And I'm just putting that to you as my church. Heart to heart talk. What, where are we at? Where are we standing? What hour are we living in? We're at the end time, I believe. 
I believe we're right here at the end. Now, you can turn one way or the other. So, you, it's either my work is finished, or I'm called to the fields over yonder, or either he'll make an evangelist or seer. One of those things has to take place because I'm at the end. I don't know what to do. I don't know which way to go. Even these meetings, when I'm approaching them, I've been praying. I said, Lord, I'm not going to do as I have been. I'm going to approach it like I did back there. I will fall back to that evangelism just until you give me that call for what I'm supposed to do. Uh, I've sold the seed everywhere. Tapes went worldwide. My messages went around the world. All the churches know about it. Around everywhere. And what the Father has elected, He'll call it. See? And uh, now it looks like it becomes an offense to Him. Oh, they don't want nothing to do with it. No, sir. Shall I just go forth and pray for the sick? And a little simple message up on that and, and see the way the Holy Spirit leads me. That's what's in my mind to do until He makes another call. Because a man don't know what to do until you understand from God what to do. Until you get your bearing. Now, I'm, now I don't want to lay around the house. This message is on my heart. People are dying, falling away, going out into eternity. What can I do? Let me blast it everywhere I can and tell about the Lord Jesus until He changes the position. You pray for me, I'll pray for you. I hope you do that. As we get towards the end of this episode, we'll end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy word. For who is like unto Thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like unto Thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? We thank Thee for Thy word, which You've spoken to us, Father, and rejuvenated us. Cleanse our hearts from all sin and unrighteousness. In the name of Thy Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, we'd really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you.